We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Louder. I cover the 49ers, and joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host and friend, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. How you doing, bro? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. I am adjusting well to Arkansas. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I don't hear enough of a Southern draw yet, dude. I think you need to start picking that up. <laughs> you know, one thing where I have gotten a lot better, my manners. Um, where, I, where I'm working at, they use their manners like, like, like I don't want to say they overdo it, but they're just, they, they, they use their manners. <laughs> and what's, that, what's that phrase about the South? Like, I mean, there's, there's like Southern comfort and then there's like, you know, there's something else that, that commonly gets said about the South that like people really are nicer there now obviously there's there's other shit that we could talk about that goes on in the south but at the same time (laughs) there there's like uh, there's you know a common conception that that people are just nicer there and and when you say use their manners a lot more that makes me think of that yeah no they definitely i mean it's yes yes sir no no sir yes ma'am um if you didn't hear what someone said like say if i like say something but you know you were kind of far away and you didn't hear they say ma'am or like sir like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that you repeat it instead of saying like, what? Like, what? What'd you say? They say, ma'am <laughs> or sir. You know, so um, 
Nah, it's been different, but I picked up on those habits. And um, those are good habits to pick up on. Yeah, and I and I feel like I, I use my manners pretty good. Like you know, especially like with my elders. Uh, you know, anyone that's you know older than me <laughs> typically like you know i'd say like 40 and up i've always been more of a like ma'am or like thank you ma'am or you know no sir or, you know i've always been like that type of person but I, i've gotten accustomed to like really kind of going above and beyond with it, i guess yeah, i picked up that that habit man that's a good one it's a good one I, I warned my wife about it i was like hey come out here you know especially you come up here to this job make sure you Use your manners. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's good too is it's you know it's good that you're bringing the family up there too because there's nothing wrong with with raising your kids with with good manners and stuff like that. Like I feel like it just helps out later in life and and I'm the same way too because you know I I've I've been raised to have good manners and and obviously stuff like that. But then also I spent you know some time in the military six seven years in the military and everything in the military is yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am. You know, and, and that translates to a lot of my, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't necessarily talk that way to like my family and stuff, people I see often, but like, you know, people I don't know, strangers and whatever, that's, that's, that's how I talk to them too. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because I just had somebody on Twitter the other day that was talking about like, like it was a, a woman who was complaining about being called ma'am because she thought it had something to do with age. And I'm like, it doesn't have anything to do with age. Like no one, not everybody that calls you ma'am is trying to say you're old. Like it's just, you're, you're showing respect and like, you don't know that person's name. And that's just something you can call to make sure that you're still showing respect to them and and being respectful. And I thought that was funny because I'm like, I was like, you're bugging. Like this is ma'am and sir is all about respect. It has nothing to do with how old you are. Yeah, She'd rather you call her dude. Hey, dude, get out the way. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I was like, that's what I think about. I was like, what are the, what are the alternatives? Like, I mean, obviously I, I could just say nothing and say no or yes, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's good to, to always establish yourself as, as somebody who cares about those sort of things. So at least that's how I feel. So anyways, um, yeah, man, it's, it's heating up over here in Fresno. I don't know what it is over there for you, it's, but, uh, it's, it, it's, it it's about 105 degrees today. It was 85 and stormy. Oh, you got like some rain? Yeah, it's raining and it's 85 degrees. Oh, man. Dude, I would love for some rain. I mean, that's weird because it almost feels like you're like in a spa, you know, like the, <laughs> the water is like warm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's 105 degrees and dry here right now. And, and it's, oh, man. I mean, I, I live here. I'm very used to it. I can go out and, and do my normal stuff. You know, if I, I'm very used to the heat. But at the same time, like you're never like, well, you never welcome it when it gets here. Like. Yay, our air conditioning bill is about to go up by 200 bucks and it's going to be 100 degrees. You know what I mean? Like it's we're at that time now and it's it's whatever. But 49ers land has um, has somehow managed to keep us keep us entertained in a part of the year. And I say entertained with very sarcastic tone. Um, They've somehow managed to keep us busy in a part of the year where there really shouldn't be a lot going on. I mean, I guess typically there is, but this year we know there's not a lot going on for for very specific reasons um, when it comes to players on the football field. But we've still managed to get our share of injuries out the out the door already. Um, the first one's going to sting a little. If you have, if you didn't already know, I, I think the vast vast majority of people listening to this podcast are already going to know that Debo Samuel um, broke his suffered a Jones fracture. He broke his foot. Um, while taking part in all of these off-season workouts that he's been posting so much of on social media. 
And that's just the nature of the beast. You know, it's, it's just what happens. And, um, he's going to be, he's supposed to be like, you know, maybe a, a 10 to, to 14 week, uh, process, maybe, you know, basically three to four months ish, you know, and, and it could be shorter than that. Well, but the thing that I would, I would caution most people about is before they get their hopes up is, um, Jones fractures have a history of being very finicky. I mean, it's on your foot and you got to think of how much punishment your foot will constantly take, um, you know, during the process of rehabilitation and then thereafter. And that's also what Trent Taylor suffered, who broke his foot in this, in a similar way before last season. And he suffered an infection that required multiple surgeries afterwards. And, and he's supposed to be recovering and getting close to hundred percent health and, or he might already be there, but you know, these fractures can be very finicky, especially for a wide receiver who, who will be constantly punishing their feet and sprinting at full speed, breaking down. Um, and if you've never ran full speed and tried to stop on a dime, it's, it's, it's all on your feet and your hips. So like, there's a lot of pressure on those things. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how long this goes on and how quickly he'll be able to come back. But Crocky you got a lot more experience running around on the field than I do. What do you think, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, I, I never, I never broke my foot. Um, I have wondered why no other position gets that injury is <laughs> like, is like uh-huh. designated for receivers. Um, I'm looking like Rich Madrid. He, he had tweeted out this guy. Let me see. I can't see. I have to, I mean, now that I've, I've actually said it, I have to think just the nature of playing receivers is why they get these fractures. Because I mean, if you think about it from a, from a DB's perspective, you know, you're never really doing like, let's say you're never really going through the motion of like necessary. I mean, you are, but it's, it's still all, it's all different. You know, like as a DB, you never have to sprint straight forward and then break down and, you know, like you would for like a hitch or something, you know, and you, you, you do have to break down as a DB because obviously you have to change directions or, or, or come back forward and stuff like that. But it's like, you could just, you could think about the amount of punishment that a receiver's foot takes. You know what I mean? When they run some of these routes and they have to stop on a dime. So, I mean, I could see why it happens more often to them. I'm sure plenty of other positions get it too, but it's, I, I could just, I, it seems commonsensical to me why it would be more frequent with receivers. But you, what were you saying? What are you looking at? All right. So Rich Madrid, he actually had uh, a doctor in his mentions uh, or uh, I don't want to say doctor, right. orthopedic yep. surgeon. Yep. Uh, his name is Dustin Schuett. And he kind of explained pretty much everything there is to know kind of about the Jones fracture. Um, so I'll just kind of read through it. You guys bear with me here. But after this, you guys will be highly educated on the Jones fracture and kind of all about it. All right. So the Jones fracture, a.k.a. the fifth metatarsal base fracture, is pretty common injury amongst high-level athletes. Others who have had it include Julio Jones, Kevin Durant. Uh, usually start walking in the boot within a week or two after the surgery. Uh, I'd expect him, Debo Samuel, to be able to resume running or training by six to eight weeks from surgery, end of uh, basically the end of August, and potentially clear to resume football activities as early as 10 weeks, September. But he'll need time to get back into game shape slash, uh, game shape slash strength. As long as everything goes well, I'd expect him to be on the field by week three, maybe week two, but 
may not be back up to full speed until he has a full offseason to recover. An infection or any complications like Trent Taylor had would throw off this timetable extensively. All right. And um, he went on to say, someone asked about uh, Trent Taylor's uh, injury, and he said, infection is pretty uncommon, less than 4% usually bad luck. Uh, Sometimes doing too much too fast before the skin heals can play a role, as can the desire of high-level athletes to use the cold-slash-hot tubs before their incisions are healed. All right. Then he went on to say, uh, someone asked, someone said, I heard that the Jones fracture repair surgery is 80%-ish success rate, but 40% chance of rebreak. And he said, uh, I'd put the success rate as in healing uneventfully at 90%. Uh, the chance of refracture after hardware remover removal is about 10%, especially if he has a high arc like Julio Jones and Kevin Durant. That increases the stresses to the bone. And uh, the last thing he said was, if you held a gun to my head and forced me to make bets, I'd say 95% chance he's back this season. He'll have surgery in the offseason to take out the hardware and a 10% chance to repeat the injury. Probably more likely to injure the other side than to re-injure the foot that's broken. Wow. That's a wealth of information, dude. That's a, that's a sweet find. That's interesting. I mean, it, it obviously... Yeah. Shout out to Rich Madrid, man. Rich, Rich Madrid, he... He uh he like tagged the guy and the guy just boom just started uh started going man and I, I thought that was pretty good stuff. yeah that's pretty awesome that the guy's willing to just you know put all that information out there because you know time is money man and those guys one they make a lot of money and two they don't have a lot of time especially if they, you know they're they're usually pretty busy so that's that's pretty impressive that he was willing to put all that out there that's ortho yeah Dustin Schuett. Uh I hope I'm saying his name right orthopedic surgeon and. Uh, yeah, so the, you know, I've heard a lot of crazy things. Or I don't want to say crazy, but you know, twelve to sixteen weeks and all of that. Um, I, I guess you know, obviously that's a possibility. But his, uh, his, from what he, his knowledge of it, uh, you know, ten weeks should be fine. And that was what Debo Samuel said, right? Yeah, Debo said ten, 10 weeks. weeks. Uh, this orthopedic surgeon said the same thing. So I know I've heard some people say, you know, sixteen weeks. It sounds like it won't be that long, but maybe you know, give or take a couple of weeks after ten weeks. We'll right. See. Yeah. And if 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 some of you guys aren't aren't math forward, uh, I mean, like I am, but I mean, so eight weeks is two months, twelve weeks is three months, sixteen weeks is four months. So I mean, if if any of the the sixteen week stuff had any merit, that would put him, you know, well into. So you've got about half of. I mean, not even half of June. We'll just count it as half of June to make it simple. Uh, then you'd have all of July, all of August, and then you know, starting in September is when the season would start. And then you'd have all of September, which would essentially equal to at least four games, and then uh, a little bit of October. So that's that's obviously the absolute worst case scenario, I guess you could say. It's probably not even really the worst case scenario, but one of the more extended timelines. And then uh, and then you know, ten weeks. Um, would put him at really only missing, you know, two or three games, like the doctor said. So it, I'm, I'm assuming you always, with these things, especially with an injury like that, you want to exercise some caution. Um, and, ho- and Debo Samuel is just going to play such a massive role in that offense moving forward. They just don't want something like a repeated or reoccurring injury derailing what, what, what awesome, uh, you know, progress he already showed. But it is interesting and it does open up, 
you know, the door for another topic. Um, and well, before we carry on, Richie James, um, the, uh, one of the 49ers uh, receivers, lower on the depth chart, but also their kick returner, um, sometimes punt returner. He also broke his wrist. So I'm not sure what his timeline is, but obviously. I saw two more. Right. That's what I saw. Two okay. And, and obviously that's, I mean, it's, it's not as much of a, you're talking about somebody who was like Debo Samuel, who was in line to be the 49ers leading wide receiver um, versus somebody like Richie James, who with all due respect was going to have to fight to make the roster this year, especially if people like Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor were healthy. So it, obviously there's, there's not as big of a, you know, an impact there. And then you also, before we, before we move on, cause there's stuff about the wide receivers. I think we should talk about um, because it's being talked about on social media right now. Um, but in addition to that, somebody amid these Nashville workouts um, got tested positive for the coronavirus. So I know that some of the other players that were taking part of them in them have also been tested and tested negative. So it's unclear how much, if at all, that spread. Just some of the people that were in Nashville was Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Kendrick Bourne, Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk, Jalen Hurd, Nick Mullins, Dante Pettis, Juwan Jennings, Trent Taylor, Sean Poindexter, Charlie Warner, uh, Brandon Ayuk, CJ Beathard, Brock. So, so, I mean, you've got basically all the quarterbacks and you've got essentially all the tight ends, all the receivers. And then, uh, I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. So it was basically the quarterbacks, tight ends, receivers. And when you read that list, you're hoping that the coronavirus just didn't get far, you know, because there's a lot of a lot of uh, big names on there in terms of, of, of valuable members of the team. But um, so there's there's that. So you've got Debo Samuels, broken foot, Richie James, broken wrist, coronavirus. Obviously, the 49ers have have stepped right back in to the ring with the injury bug again this year, at least to start. You know, it has nothing to do with how the rest of the year plays out, but they've you know they've been busy so it's it's been interesting to see how that's all unfolded but back to Debo Samuel you're talking about a guy who was in line to be one of the you know the the the, the leading playmakers on the offense even among George Kittle and whoever's going to take the Raheem Mostert who's ever going to take the lead in the backfield um Debo Samuel was going to be one of the leading contributors to the offense and now they're going to have to you would assume at least start the season without him so that opens up a big opportunity for other members of that group to kind of step up. Now, the, one of the first names that's obviously going to come to mind is Brandon Ayuk because he was their first round pick this year. He's number, you know, he's he's. But at the same time, he's a rookie that's trying to absorb Kyle Shanahan's af- offense without a real offseason. So that's going to be tough. Um, and then you have Kendrick Bourne, who everybody for some reason decided they were going to talk about him this year, or not the excuse, not this year, this week, past couple of days. Um, like yeah. I, it's all seemed a little ridiculous. It's kind of like making something out of nothing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, Kendrick Bourne, who would be projected to be the team's like wide receiver three right behind Ayuk and Samuel, um, now has an opportunity to prove that maybe he's capable of handling a little bit bigger role, maybe being, having a few more targets a game, racking up a few more yards. But so Give you've you've been reading all the shish on social media, Crocker, without even like really giving it any credence of you know what it, like what are your takes on that group and what is what does Debo Samuel's injury open the door for? Yeah, I mean it, it definitely opens up a huge opportunity for you know one of the 49ers to keep an extra guy. I think I'll also 
I want to say, did I see that the roster is, does it start this year where the roster is bigger? I think so. Yes. I, I yeah. Like we're from 53 to 55, I believe. Yeah, and then I think it's the roster is allowed to be bigger, but they have to keep the same number of players active on game day. Something like that. Uh, I'd, I'd have yeah. to look it up. That still allows you to, yeah, that still allows you to keep, you know, an extra guy, right. um, an extra receiver. So, um, but it definitely opens up, you know, opportunity for somebody to to make the team. That was the first thing I thought of. Like, okay, that 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 kind of solidifies they have to keep seven guys. This now. says just you know, I don't want to cut back. you off. Yeah. This says game day active roster will increase from forty six to forty eight. So I don't know if fifty three increased, but the active game day roster will increase from forty six to forty eight, and practice squads are going to expand from ten to twelve players. So it, right. it, it, you know, even it, it still has kind of the same effect that you're talking about. Like, you know, there's, there's still an opportunity for somebody who normally would have been an inactive there to, to have a role. Right. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, well, who's going to step up? And my, my initial reaction is like you said, you know, I was a rookie and it seems like Kendrick Bourne is kind of like next in line. I think he's been pretty consistent in the role that he was given, right. Which wasn't a big role. And, you know, I, I even made a bet with somebody online. We bet $100 that Bourne, he, I, I bet him that Bourne would have more than 45 catches. <laughs> you know, that's not like a ton of catches, but I was like, you know, he, he had 45 catches this year. Now, now here's where all the, the kind of, I guess, melee or, you know, everything just started kind of like exploding on Twitter about Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Quentin Patton said that he thinks that, uh, Born is capable of getting a thousand yards receiving, and people just shot it down. Like there's no way that will happen. Um, and they listed, you know, their logical reasons as to why Kendrick Bourne will not have a thousand yards. Uh, my thought process on that is, well, one, Kendrick Bourne also that was one of his goals, like you know, be a starting receiver, um, win the Super Bowl you know, be a thousand yard receiver. You know, those were some of his goals. Um, one, I never say never. Like I've always been that person. Like I, you know, it, it could be Trent Taylor and you won't hear me say Trent Taylor will not do something. Cause I always feel like athletes are, you know, they prove us wrong. And there's always these scenarios or weird uh, jumps that people have. And, and it comes out of nowhere to a lot of people, but, it's like, you know, sometimes like if you just kind of paid attention to the signs, you probably could have seen it coming. And uh, Kendrick Bourne is one of those guys. Like, if Kendrick Bourne had a 1,000 yards, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, would I put bet money on it? No, I, I wouldn't put money on that. But if he did it, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's very talented. And with Kendrick Bourne, this is, this is some of the things that I've kind of been seeing and whatnot. Uh, well... He didn't take advantage of any opportunities last year. They had to trade for Emmanuel Sanders. Or he's never had this many catches in the past and whatnot. My thing is, one, sometimes, and people, you know, receivers are kind of late bloomers. And other times, people need to mature a little bit. So if Kendrick Bourne, let's say he was a little immature, then fully, maybe he didn't work. Maybe he never worked as hard before, right? Maybe he didn't work and get into the absolute best shape that he could be in. Um you know, understand the playbook. I saw him tweet out about how, man, yeah, the playbook's crazy. I'm studying every single day. 
Maybe he's more in the playbook now. Like something could have clicked to him to where it's like, you know what? I have a real opportunity here to take advantage of. I'm going to bust my butt. I'm going to do everything possible. And even before the injury, I had pegged him in as a starting starter next to Debo. And then my whole thing was like, you know, it's always, it's, are you going to take advantage of the opportunity at hand? And who knows? But it looks like he's trying to do that. And I see him working hard. So I'll never like just kind of shoot down that he can't do this or that. Now, I know a lot of people, they'll look at it like, hey, there's, uh, you know, Hurd and all these other guys. And my thing is, well, Hurd hasn't been, we haven't even seen him really play outside of uh, one preseason game. Uh, Trent Taylor, he's been iffy uh, since his back injury and obviously the foot injury last year. So, But I know one thing, Kendrick Bourne doesn't miss games. And for the most part, he's pretty reliable. For the most part, he ran the wrong route a couple of times, uh, dropped two balls versus Seattle. But for the most part, extremely reliable, bailed out Jimmy G a couple of times in the Vikings game and scored a touchdown in that game. Uh, you know, caught a couple of passes in the Super Bowl. I, I just... Like if I'm going to bet money on anybody that's going to make an impact, it's going to be him, the guy that doesn't miss time and the guy I've been seeing busting his butt. And I don't I don't want to go off of just somebody, you know, posting to Twitter, but I will say this. He literally posted every day. Like <laughs> literally. You can't you can't fake that, right? Like you can't, you know, somebody could post like, you know, a a, a video once a week and make it look like they've been working out or whatever. And maybe not post up, but I know one thing for sure. He's been working his butt off because he posts every single day. And he's worked out multiple times. And my buddy, one of my former teammates uh, in the Arena Football League, he's been training him out in Portland. And he's talking to me about how Kendrick's been working. So I I don't know. We'll see. Has Kendrick ever worked this hard? Has he ever been this focused? Um, Has he ever had this type of opportunity heading to a season? I don't think so. And if it all comes together, why couldn't he be a thousand-yard receiver? Now, again... I wouldn't bet on it, but for people to just be like, oh, no, this can't happen and it won't happen, and that, I think that's kind of like low-key disrespectful to somebody that's putting in a lot of work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, and I, and I think I have a um, a different perspective on it, and, and I'm, I'm never the guy that says, like, oh, well, you didn't play football. You don't know. I would never say that to anybody because I feel like that's the biggest cop-out, like, bullshit stuff that gets thrown around on Twitter. Like, I think there's plenty of people that didn't play football or that have never played football that can still establish himself as, as amazing resources in the game or, you know, any of that, that's kind of going off a little off topic. But what I am saying is, is that, you know, I played football and now I coach football and you, you see what players are capable of achieving with just simply an, un, an uncommon stubbornness and a willing to just put in an unreal amount of work. And to me, Somebody like Kendrick Bourne has already proven that he can survive in this league. Not a, not just, you know, I'm not and I'm not saying survive like he's like he's he's scraping by. I mean, like he can he can get out onto that field, and I mean we've seen him can't catch slant routes on third down against Jalen Ramsey. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying that that's a common thing, but this is a guy that's already proven that he can go out there and make plays and compete with players in the NFL and have success and and it's not that he's been a world beater over the past couple seasons he's been a nice little complimentary role to the receiving core but you have somebody who who now has built up enough confidence to know that he can compete in this league and he can make plays and he can score you know he was what is he what was he tied for the 49ers leaving 
in the red zone last season. I think he was tied with what George Kittle for touchdowns, you know, and it, and it's, that's not like a coincidence. It's not like he got lucky in the hardest part of the field. You're just talking about a guy who's proven to others and to himself that he can have an impact in the league. And now you take that and the confidence that gives you and you couple it with experience and the fact that he's been in this offense for three years and he knows what to expect from it. And he can start channeling that into a level of comfort out on the field that he's never had before. And I, I'm, and I'm with you. I'm not, I would not bet on him getting, you know, if, if, if the over one under was 700 yards or 750 yards, I just, if I was a betting man, I'd probably bet the under, but I'm just saying that this can be a guy that goes out there and, and it becomes a prolific part of that offense. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't mean he's a thousand yard guy, but he's obviously making a difference. And it's just like, and I'm right there with you when, when you said, like, I'm never going to be the one to tell somebody that they can't do something because we've seen time and time again what people are capable of in the face of adversity, in the face of people doubting them. And this isn't really like a sob story for Kendrick Bourne, but, I mean, you you said it. The guy's been out there working, and he's already proven to himself that he can do it in the NFL, that he can be the guy, and then he can, you know, he can be the guy that Jimmy Garoppolo wants to throw to, especially in the paint. And, you know – well, I want to see him go out there and do good things, especially with an opportunity that he's going to have there towards the beginning of the season. Um, you know, you just want to see someone exceed. And I, and I do feel like on social media, there's always a rush to say somebody can't or won't do something. Now, obviously, there's a time and a place for that if somebody's saying something ridiculous. Um, but it's just, you know, anybody who's been around the 49ers all this time, you should have established – you should know what type of person Kendrick Bourne is by now. The fact that he's a total goober with an, what seems like an amazing attitude and 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 also a pretty ruthless work ethic. So, you know, if anything, why not root for the guy and and and, and just see how far he can go? And you know, you never know. It's he's already proven to me that he could be a pretty. I watch him go out there and warm up before games. I would always stand right by him because. He would always go out there. He'd be vibing with his music. He'd be laughing his ass off. And he then he'd just jump up and flip around and do a one-hand catch and, like, something stupid that showed off just how talented the guy actually is. You know, it's just – I think people just kind of sleep on that a little bit because you've also got some some George Kittles and some, some Debo Samuels on the team that, you know, might overshadow somebody like that. Yeah, uh, a couple of things real quick. Um, and I don't, I don't want to compare him to this guy. I'm just p- comparing kind of a situation – uh, Antonio Brown, his rookie year, uh, 16 catches, 167 yards. Antonio Brown's next year, uh, 69 catches, 1,100 yards. You know what I'm saying? And that just kind of shows to where, like, sometimes something clicks. Now, I don't want to compare him to A.B. A.B. is one of the all-time greats. But just in the sense of, like, Something changed, right? And I think they lost like Emmanuel Sanders or, or Mike Wallace or something like that, and his role increased. Uh, another guy who took advantage of an opportunity like this, and I mentioned it on Twitter, uh, is Stevie Johnson. And Stevie Johnson, he actually reminded me a lot of a Kendrick Bourne. Uh, maybe not, you know, the the most explosive type of players, you know. But Stevie Johnson, in his rookie year, 102 yards. In his Second year, 10 yards. In his third year, 1,073. You know? So sometimes something just clicks. And it looks like 
right now, you know, a lot of more stuff, a lot of things are on like social media. It looks like something's clicking with Kendrick Bourne. I don't want to say, look, again, he's going to have to compete just like anybody else. And there are other receivers that are talented and they did just draft somebody second round and they're in an offense that's not super pass heavy, right? So (laughs) the odds are stacked against them. But I'm just not going to say that he can't do something. Right. Um, I I, want to see him win. I love his story. Undrafted guy. Uh, Like you said, he's had to survive this. And he survived almost getting cut a couple times from what I'm saying. Well, I think Um, one thing I want to mention too before it slips my mind is like I I really – I really don't understand. I I don't think that a lot of fans have a grasp on, or at least a, a firm grasp on how hard it is to make an, a roster, an NFL roster as an undrafted free agent. Like, can I talk about the politics of it? Yeah, dude. dude hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Actually, hold on. <laughs> we're at 34 minutes and I have not gotten our ad in. So let me get this in okay. and we're just going to keep rocking and rolling. Cause if I'm entertained by this conversation, I know you guys are. So give me a second and let's get our quick word in for bet online. And then me and Crocker will get right back out, back at it. Because right now, everybody out there, you know, there's, there's, it's weird, but there's still no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back in one form or another, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, soccer, and baseball is coming right around the corner. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline's got you covered. They've got hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering expert. So, just to get us back in the flow, I just briefly mentioned that fans might not have a firm grasp. Some fans might, some fans, emphasis, might not have a firm grasp on just how hard it is to make an NFL roster as an undrafted free agent. And you were going to touch on the politics. What do you got, Croc? Yeah, so the, the the politics of it and people like not truly understanding what it means to like have an opportunity, right? And I've, I've been saying that, like Kendrick Bourne, he has an opportunity right now. Uh, and it looks like he's ready for that opportunity. But in, in from my experience being in the NFL, the one thing that I noticed was there's not a big separation between talent like people think. Um, you know, I remember being in camp and D. Milliner, he had shoulder injury, he was holding out, all these different things. But D. Milliner, D. Milliner was the ninth overall pick. There had been a guy there, Darren Walls. Uh, Darren was starting pretty much he worked his way into the starting role I think he he ended up uh, leapfrogging uh, uh, Wilson Kyle Wilson he ended up leapfrogging Aaron Barry and he ended up earning a starting spot next to Antonio Comardi as the outside starting corners and then D. Milliner signs his contract and D. Milliner right away jumped to the first string corner so all the work that Darren Walls had been uh, putting in and being the guy made a bunch of plays, all for nothing. Be, I don't want to say all for nothing because he ended up actually like replacing <laughs> uh, Milliner, you know. But 
he had to take a back seat. And I, from that moment, and then just even my, me, I wasn't bad. Like, I, I wasn't sorry. Like, anybody can call my brother right now and ask him, like, hey, how, how did Eric Crocker look? And can my brother tell you, I look just as good as anybody else. But, oh, man, Joe McKnight gets a concussion. Chris Irie hurts his ankle. Oh, we got to release somebody. Oh, let's just release Crocker. He's at the bottom of the, you know, the corner depth. And I'm released. <laughs> like, it wasn't because I just got an interception in the uh, in the big scrimmage the day before. And because of those injuries, I was let go. Um there's just a lot of politics with uh, just really the sport of the football and, and the opportunity, right? Because we've been at training camp. Uh, the, I was there with you last year. And I want to say I wrote about it uh, for fourth and nine, but if you asked me who were the best receivers, I would have said Richie James and Kendrick Bourne. And that's better than uh, a guy, Pettis, who they were forcing the ball to because he was a second-round pick. That was better than Goodwin, who kind of would just disappear. I saw the most plays and consistency, or outside of Trent Taylor, um, being made by, like, you know, stretching the field, catching balls. Richie James was doing an excellent job. Kendrick Bourne was catching everything, and he was catching crossers and catching running and all that. Like, he looked good. But uh, Richie James ended up having six catches, 400-some yards on the season. You know, there's a lot of politics that go into it. So what, what politics? Marquise Goodwin. He came, he was the starter. And then you drafted Debo Samuel. He's got to play. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, the other guys kind of get their opportunities when they can. You know, they got a few little targets here and there. And then it was like, well, maybe they, you know, you, you see yourself needing uh, somebody that's going to really step up. But these guys aren't really getting a realistic opportunity. When I say opportunity, like two, two pass attempts in a game, that's not going to cut it. You know, like... Not when somebody like Marquise Goodwin, the you know, in the year when Jimmy G kind of took over or whatever, there was a time when Marquise Goodwin was targeted like 12 times in the game. Like, that's real opportunity. Uh, so when you see a Kendrick Bourne and maybe he hasn't had the big numbers and stuff like that, maybe he had to put himself in a position to maybe carve out a bigger role, but they weren't, the team wasn't ready for that yet. And even now, it's going to be tough for him because they just drafted somebody first round. But Debo went down. Kendrick Bourne now has a real opportunity to put a stranglehold in a position that he hasn't had ever <laughs> since being with the 49ers. He was an undrafted guy, starting at the very bottom, has to sit behind all these other guys, had to sit behind Goodwin, had to sit behind Pettis, Debo. Um, all these other guys, they were just going to get opportunities over him. And... Now it seems like he kind of worked his way in the position to where he can go into camp, he can be a starter, and if he just does what he I've seen him do at camp, he'll be a day one starter. And then now he has a realistic opportunity to really get targets and make plays. And last year he made plays. I thought he made a, a bunch of uh, really good timing plays, but now he just might get his number called a little bit more. So a lot of politics with it, man. A lot of politics with football. Um, you know, guys, their jobs depend on being right about certain guys, whether it was a free agent signing or whether it was a draft pick. They have to be right about that guy. And they're going to give that guy every opportunity to prove that, you know, they are they were right and don't prove me wrong, you know. And Kendrick Bourne, he just kind of had to wait his turn. And I think he's finally, when it's, you know, 
about to get that opportunity. Uh, real quick, last thing I'm going to touch on this. Remember last year, uh, you know, obviously Witherspoon started off hot. Manuel Mosley came in and he was playing extremely well. Uh, Witherspoon came back from injury, wasn't really doing too well. But what they do? They kept riding with him. Why? That's the third round pick. So they're riding with him. They know the talent is there. And they rode that all the way to the uh, until they benched him, right? Week, whatever game it was against the the yeah seventeen, yeah, right. against the uh, the the Seahawks, they benched Witherspoon. But then the next week, who was starting? It was Witherspoon. That's I'm, that's the that's the politics we're talking about here. So when people talk about opportunity, you know, especially for a receiver. This is Kendrick Bourne's real, true first opportunity to, to kind of come into his own. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he takes advantage of it. But that's just kind of my thought process on that because I, I, I've i seen the politics firsthand of the, of the NFL, man. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's – I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you with everything, man. And it's just – luckily, Kendrick Bourne was given the opportunity to make a, a roster when it was going through complete reconstruction. And, you know, there was there, he had a real, real shot. And, and, and that's in just a short time in this three years that has already changed, you know, the opportunities for, for future undrafted free agents to step in and make the team. Uh, the landscape is going to look drastically different than what Kendrick Bourne was presented with when he first showed up among a roster that was completely rebuilding and, and obviously had shown something that Shanahan and, and crew liked to bring him in. So it's, you know, he, he took advantage of a very unique opportunity. And to me, for a guy in his position, you know, obviously there's some exceptions to the rule, but he's made the most of, of the opportunities he's been given so far. And I, I just wouldn't expect him to do anything different now. I mean, you know, I, I think the guy's capable of, of making plays and it'll be interesting to see how the offseason goes for him. Now, one thing we... Nine touchdowns the last two years. That's, that's not bad. Right. There's, nah. right. there's a lot of... Very, very high level draft or high end, high level draft picks or free agent signings or, or whatever that have not even had that kind of impact. You know, sometimes things just don't work out. And he's produced more than a lot of players in this league that have begun their careers with much, much higher stocks than undrafted free agent Kendrick Bourne. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how he how he takes this opportunity and runs with it or or squanders it. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what he's going to do, but obviously, you know, it's up to him to seize it. You, you know, there's there's two parts of the story. You can be given the opportunity, but you have to take it, too. So now one more thing um, that we would be remiss in mentioning. Um, there were a few, uh, quite a few things that we wanted to talk about today. You know, the 49ers did their state of the franchise um, episodes. And, you know, I, I watched through them all. There wasn't really a whole lot there that was that was new, new and noteworthy. You know, the, there was a, a piece of artwork that was really, really cool that was presented to Joe Staley with with all of these, you know, kind of expressions. It was kind of like a, culm, a, a culmination of every of everything his teammates thought about him. And that was really cool to see. And one thing that is crazy, Joe Staley looks skinny as hell. Like, dude, he looks like he's probably dropped at least 50 to 60 pounds since the Super Bowl, you know, like, and, and that's a very, I wouldn't say a very common tale, but it's a common tale for offensive linemen because what people don't realize is, is offensive linemen are usually just as freaky of athletes as your wide receivers or your DBs. Some, you know, in a lot of cases, but they're freak athletes in a body that has to be huge all the time. 
you know, like some of these guys are just, are, are they're just, they're freak athletes in their own right, but they have to hold that weight because that's what the position demands. They have a 300 pound defensive lineman bearing down on them every week. So they have to be huge. Well, the moment they retire, it's common that these offensive linemen just like shred down and they start looking like either a tight end or even like a wide receiver, a tall wide receiver or something. And that's almost what, like what it looks like for Joe Staley. Like he looks skinny. He, his jawline was all super sharp. And, you know, it was just on a webcam, so you couldn't see his whole body. But there was that picture recently of him golfing with with uh, Mike McGlinchey, and you could already tell that he was getting skinny very fast. So that's that's going to be interesting to see how much that keeps going. Um, so there was that. Um, John Lynch talked about, you know, landing landing Kinlaw and Ayuk and, you know, Jed York um, put some more affirmation behind his commitment to social justice issues and making sure they support um, the experts in that field. Um, there was some, just some interesting things in there, but like I said, nothing that, that kind of, we haven't already heard before. So <clears throat> we may talk a little bit, excuse me, we may talk about it a little more in the future, but there was nothing that was too breaking on that front. Um, but one thing that we, we should talk about before we, we, we sign off here is, is friend of mine and obviously, uh, very infamous in the Twitter realm in 49ers world is, is Grant Cohn. Um, but like I said, I've said this before, I've met Grant. He's, he's a, such a nice dude. He's hilarious. We get along great, but he loves playing that role on social media. And, and I'm sure everybody here listening to this knows that already. Um, but he, they might think that's how he really is though. Uh, and no, 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 I'm sure they think that's how he really is. Like I'm 100% sure that's how most of the people on Twitter think he really is. He's not. I, I've met him. I've been around him. And I'm like, is this the same guy? Like, he's he's really cool. He's a really cool person. <laughs> he's just on Twitter. He's the, he likes playing the villain, and that that that's that's cool. But go ahead. No, no, you're good, man. But he he said today, and and Brant and Brant Grant recently took on a new role. Um, he left the Press Democrat for uh, Sports Illustrated, so he runs the All 49ers uh, page with on Sports Illustrated. So shout out to Grant Cohn. Um, but he dropped what he would call a potential bombshell today. And he said that talks. No, I mean, not even talks. Can't even say that. I don't want to no, misinterpret what he said. I'm just going to read it straight from his website. He said, I just got a direct message from a well-placed source saying Jamal Adams uh, safety from the New York Jets to the 49ers is picking up steam in quotes. Picking up steam was in quotes. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with Jamal Adams, he's an, he's a very, very, uh, very, very good safety. Um, kind of can, can play all over the field, a little bit more of a strong safety type, and is actually pretty good at rushing the passer. But, I mean, he can, he can be all over the place. Um, he was actually who I, I wanted the 49ers to draft when they took, um, I believe it was Solomon Thomas. Um, so same year as Solomon Thomas, much different career path, obviously, but he has requested to be traded from the New York jets, um, because he's seeking a new contract and he, by all means he's earned it. I don't know him personality wise. I don't know the type of person he is, but as far as his play on the field, he's been really, really good. And he requested a trade and he said specifically that the 49ers were among the teams he wanted to go to. And, you know, I mean, well, of course, who wouldn't want to play for the 49ers right now after coming off a Super Bowl? That's not really all that noteworthy. But so that was Grant's report. It, it, it obviously isn't super in-depth or, you know, he can say what he can say right now. That's what he's got. And that it's, you know, the whatever action there is picking up steam. So 
what are your what do you think crocker what are your first thoughts on on reading what what grant had to had to report yeah uh i just thought it was intriguing and, and if he said it like he put his name on something like that like and and said how he because you know grant throws stuff out there and he'll see what sticks but he typically doesn't say that he got it from a source a lot of times it's his own thoughts so if he if he says like hey i got this from a source i i believe it now i know there are a lot of 49 people kind of shooting it down and saying well you know, 49ers have to re-sign this guy and that guy. And like, you know, you and I spoke about, you know, before we started recording. If a team wants to make it work with someone, they can't. You know, there might be other like smaller little casualties or whatnot, but you know, if if Adams is someone that they're really interested in, uh, you know, he definitely makes the team better. You know, you They'll figure out a way. And Parag's been really good with moving stuff around, moving people around, as we saw with DeForest Buckner. But uh yeah, Adams is a top five safety. So um, and he's from everything I've heard, tremendous leader, uh, tremendous obviously player, tremendous uh in the in the film room. Uh yeah, man, it's 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 interesting. But yeah, he he said he heard it from a reliable source. So I kind of believe that I haven't put, I haven't given it like much thought, but well, uh, we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. But I, I believe yeah, it. and and like I was saying earlier, like for lack of a better way of saying this, uh, Grant's not full of shit. He he says goofy stuff on social media to to get a reaction out of people, and he knows what he's doing with that. But when it comes to reporting, and when it comes to kind of you know the the professional aspects of his job, he's not just going to make stuff up. Um, whether or not his source is telling the truth is something else. That's not really, you know, Grant is just reporting what he's been told. But, you know, and he goes on to kind of explain it a little bit. And there are scenarios where this could be something doable for the 49ers. Like, you know, he has, he's due like 7 million in this, this season, um, which is just based off his rookie contract since he was selected like sixth overall, I think. Um, And then he's due almost 10 million in 2021. And then his contract would have to be extended or you'd have to do the franchise tag thing. You know, but I think one of his main reasons for seeking a trade is wanting a new deal. So that that may be something that needs to be included. We'll see. But, you know, there is a from what I from what I heard, he's willing to wait if it's a team. That he wants to, if it's yeah, on his a place where he wants to be. Right. So like. We saw like, you know, 49ers, Cowboys, you know, those teams or whatever. Whatever teams he listed, he's willing to like be traded and he won't like. He's not going to hold out for a new deal or or, or stuff like that. Right, right. So, I mean, there are scenarios. It's not an insane amount of money. Like Adams is not due a lot of money yet. They will rehab. If if it was somebody the team was planning on keeping around, which obviously would be the case if you traded. uh, Because as far as I know, it would take a first round pick to get somebody like, uh, you know, Adams. It would, it would, that's where I'm assuming the, the asking price is going to start. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. It, there's a lot of things working for this type of trade and there's a lot of things working against it. One, the 49ers are up against the salary cap. Uh, they, the reason they traded DeForest Buckner is because they weren't going to be, a, be able to afford the salary that he wanted. And, they found a team that was and were willing to pay him that. So, and, and then you've got somebody like George Kittle, who is, is 
needs to be extended. It doesn't necessarily have to be this off season, um, but things are, and, and also things are a little bit murky when it comes to the salary cap. The NFL is going to get kind of weird next season. They already just announced today that the NFL is either thinking about or has already decided that they're going to sell the first like eight to 10 rows for advertising in NFL stadiums where they're going to put like advertising tarps over the top of the seats so that, you know, and they'll be visible from the cameras so that, you know, that's more advertising. And and to me, that seems like they're basically assuming that fans aren't going to be in the stadium and they're not, they're not going to be there. So that's the only reason I would see them. It would be weird to sell the first eight to 10 rows, but fans still be there. Like those people with the best seats in the house just got hosed. But, um, so the the salary cap ne- beyond next season, next next year and beyond next year is, is going to be murky. It's supposed to go up a lot with the you know the new CBA and all the stuff that's happening. It's supposed to go up a lot, but at the same time, nobody really planned on COVID nineteen, the coronavirus, and so that's taking you know the league's about to lose a lot of revenue. We'll see what impact, if any, that has on the salary cap. So teams are going to be a little unsure about what to project going forward. But I think in the end, like Crocker said, if they want somebody like Jamal Adams, they can get Jamal Adams. That doesn't, that doesn't mean they're not going to have to make a ton of moves on their end to clear out space and move people along that they deem less important. But if they want him, they can get him. And obviously that would be a massive addition. And when you also consider that Chiquisky Tart current strong safety is due to be a free agent after this season, the it starts to make more sense, you know, like if, if they wanted to bring somebody in and you guys should know that Eric Crocker just signed in to his Xbox. You heard the noise and I saw him pop up on my computer. So if, if we know what this guy is doing either during the podcast or after. But that's what I'm going to do, too. So it, I'm not hating. But so Tart is already scheduled to be a free agent and they know like you got to look at the option there. Do you? Is, is a trade for Jamal Adams really that much of a, of a negative impact when you either know, one, you're getting rid of Jaquiski Tart and letting him hit free agency, or you are going to re-sign him to a contract that probably wouldn't be all that much smaller than what you would have to give, eventually give Jamal Adams. So there's some logic to it as far as projecting in the future. Now, like I said, the 49ers just traded for left tackle Trent Williams, who they are going to want to try and get a, a you know, a deal with. Um, they are trying to extend George Kittle. And then just to name some names, uh, Richard Sherman, Solomon Thomas, Kyle Juszczyk, Tevin Coleman, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Kaywan Williams, Ronald Blair, um, Jarek McKinnon, Kella Weatherspoon. Those are all names that are going to be free agents after next season. So they have to be very smart with their money it's not necessarily that they are going to run out of it they'll be up against it but they can't just go chasing after every good player that that might become available that i'm not saying that they should not pursue somebody like jamal adams but i am saying that they're gonna have to be smart with this because there are a lot of key players that are headed for free agency very soon so it's just a you know it's that delicate dance of maintaining your salary cap and not doing what the Rams just did where, you know, you resigned and traded for everybody under the sun. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're having to, to cut bait with a lot of their, a lot of their big signings. Brandon cook's gone. Um, the, the, the running back that, that everybody knows 
that I'm completely Rams running back Crocker. There you go. He's gone. And you know, that, that might've been for reasons other than salary as well, but you get the point. Everybody watched what the Rams do and, and they were one game away from seeming smart because they almost won the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, so it's going to be a delicate dance there. And I, Jamal Adams, it's kind of the same conversation we had when Jalen Ramsey was available. You know, like he's a player that's not good. He's very, very good. He's going to cost you in more ways than one. But if you want that player, you can have that player. Just know that there's going to be some ripple effects to it that might not be all that great. But, you know, it's all part of the dance that keeps you under the salary cap and, and competing for Super Bowls. So, you know, I don't know. And and they were also going to have to pay uh, Marcus Peters, and they ended up trading him away and then acquiring uh, Ramsey. I think the bigger issue with the Ramsey deal was, one, corners get paid a lot more than safeties, and two, he uh, – it was two first-round picks, I think, and that, that was kind of kind of steep. Yeah. But he is kind of – I mean, you know, when you think about Ramsey – Against the 49ers, you know, he he knocked away a ball that ended up getting picked off. And then he ended he actually picked off uh, you know, another ball uh where he looked like he was in man coverage on Kittle, and then he like dropped back in the zone. And, you know, so you know, he you know, they brought him over to make plays and do things like that, and and you know, and he did. So uh, you know, it just depends, I guess, what you what you know, what you're gonna be able to do with the rest of your roster. Right. So interesting news. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd love to see where it goes. It's obviously, it's a big news. It's a big deal. But at this time, you know, like, and, and Grant didn't oversell it. All he said was that, you know, he got a text from a, a well-placed source that it was picking up steam. So we'll see if that steam can, uh, can build up and build into something real, but we're not there yet, but it's definitely interesting to talk about, but um, I, I mean, I believe that's it for us. We're, we're already at an hour, uh, and, and it's just crazy how fast these things go by, but I felt like that was a, that was a solid talk there. Crocker felt like that was a good one. Um, that was good. But that's it for us for another week, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're appreciating, uh, you know, what we're bringing to you and I appreciate cause you guys know, I appreciate you guys listening and always sticking around, especially when we always go long way longer than we should, or at least we were told to, but I know you guys are down with it. We get those tweets too where like, you know, I don't care how long you guys go. It's awesome. So that's cool. Um, but it, like I always say, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you if you enjoy the episode or you're enjoying the podcast. You can find me at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. And you can find at Eric underscore Crocker. That's, that's where Crocker is and his Twitter. Um, but that's it. Appreciate you guys. I love you guys for another week. Striking gold. Signing off. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.